Humanity Meets Business, Business Therapy with Christine Salvo. Today I have a lovely and amazing guest, Betty Kovach. She's received her PhD from the University of California, Irvine in comparative literature and theory of symbolic mythic language. She taught literature, writing, and symbolic mythic language for 25 years. She served many years as chair and program chair on the board of directors for the Young Society of Claremont of California and sits on the academic advisory board of Forever Family Foundation. She is the author of Merchants of Light, The Consciousness That Is Changing the World, winner of the Nautilus Silver Book Award and the Scientific and Medical Network 2019 book prize, as well as The Miracle of Death, There's Nothing But Life. Her website is www.kmlla. <laughs> Sorry, just scratch that. Her website is www.kamlak.com. So Betty, it's so, so, so lovely to have you on the show today. I'm so happy to have you here. So how's it been going? It sounds like you're a busy woman sitting on boards and writing books and all the good stuff. Well, uh, it's the thing I love to do, actually. I spent so many years teaching and I love that. And now that I have been writing, I've been doing a lot of podcasts and, and interviews such as this, and I love it. I love meeting so many people who are involved in, in changing our world, actually. Yeah, I, I definitely share that in common. That's one of my favorite parts of doing this show is just meeting all these brilliant people from places that I may never have connected to otherwise and yeah, really exactly. hearing what they bring to the world. So for our episode today, you know, we had a hard time picking a topic because there's so many interesting things that you can talk about. But I want to kind of start a little bit for our listeners, even for myself, of just kind of getting to know you a little bit. So you know, what kind of brought you to where you are now? So it sounds like you've been teaching, you've been doing this, and then and then you're really focusing on your writing. Um, the miracle of death, there's nothing but life. It's a really interesting topic. Maybe you can give us, a, you know, the short version of what's this about? Yes, that's uh, probably a good place to start. I think all my life I had wondered, what's the meaning of it all? And uh, why are we here? What what are we here for? And I questioned that. And of course, in my culture, born into Western culture, which had a religion story and a science story. And the religion story was beautiful, but I had to believe. I wasn't taught how to experience it, how to trigger that experience of Christ consciousness or that larger universal mind into which I now know we are all born. I didn't have that information. The science story was, of course, pretty grim. It was that uh, there's nothing but matter. There's no meaning. There's no purpose. Uh, we're simply a mistake, <laughs> just a fluke of nature. And when we're dead, we're dead. It is the most destructive worldview that any culture has ever had, but uh, I was born into that uh, worldview uh, with the alternative of a religion story, but I didn't want to believe I wanted to know. So that was the beginning of my journey, and I ended up teaching in college and late 60s and 70s uh, and students were wonderful they were questioning everything and i find that true with the people i'm doing the podcast and interviews with i mean they're very much like the students at that time there was a real you might say renaissance in progress and so i was i taught mythology and symbolic language which is really mythology is about someone else's spiritual tradition and 
I would say that the students and I together learned very much. We were sometimes amazed at what we learned. We were using the text and also uh, archaeological artifacts, and we were beginning to put meaning together uh, in our own terms. Uh, and I enjoyed that very much. The students did. We've remained close, many of us, uh, on this life journey. And then uh, in the 90s, uh, my mother was uh, hit by a car, killed instantly as she crossed the street. Uh, one year later, to the day, uh, my son was in an accident and in uh, emergency care for 13 days. Uh, when they took him off the machines, it was exactly uh, the hour and the day that my mother had been killed one year before. Yeah. So there were many synchronicities like that. Well, that began, I had taught about death in the mythology classes. We had seen how other cultures responded to death. Uh, but here, here was the death of my only child. And uh, at 20, he was 20 years old. And, uh, and then two years later, uh, my husband, Ishvan, was also killed by a car. Uh, he had gone to his native country, Hungary, to see his family and also to do business there. So within a three-year period, I had uh, lost my mother and my only child and my husband to death. But after our son died, my husband and I both had incredible experiences with the consciousness of our son, Pishti. Now, I had begun to have visionary experiences, my actual experiences, not just a belief system, uh, before, uh, probably two years before. Uh, I had gone to Peru to work with shamans. Uh, that began a process. I had always followed my dreams. I had been very influenced by uh, Carl Jung, uh, the psychiatrist from Switzerland, who had done so much in uh, symbolic language and myths and dreams. Uh, but I needed more experience. And I wondered, I had wondered about death. That's, of course, when you, when you love, and we all love someone and people. We, we want to know what happens when we die. So I was in the process of getting closer to that. But when our son died, Istvan, who had certainly not been interested in this before, uh, he was tolerant and patient and supportive of whatever I did, but he himself was not interested in the visionary world. Mm -hmm. But uh, after our son died, we both began to have very powerful experiences with Pishti's consciousness. And not only did he want us to know that he was fine, that there is no death, there is nothing but life, as I have in, on the cover of the book. It is a miracle, you might say, that we go through. It's simply a death and a rebirth into uh, this larger consciousness out of which we're born. But we experienced him just in such detail. He wanted us to remember <laughs> you know, that we knew there's no death. He said, we've just forgotten. And then he wanted us to know what the earth is going to be going through in the next few decades. He said, it's one of the greatest transformations uh, that we've ever gone through, a very, very difficult and critical time. And he wanted us to remember that we had chosen to be born at this time and why we had made that choice. So th The Miracle of Death, that book, is actually a very precise recording of the experiences that we had. Uh, I didn't want anyone to publish it who would sensationalize it. Uh, Ishvan and I had taken very careful uh, notes. Well, in fact, we'd record it after each experience that we had, we recorded it. And so when I wrote the book, I was able to look at 
the details in the experiences because I wanted people to know this is what's possible. This, this um, symbolic mind connects us to another dimension of reality. Its language is symbolic and feeling. And we have pretty much in Western culture, we just dismissed it. But now there is a renaissance of this ancient knowing in our time. And we are remembering these things. So that's what wow. that book's about. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, that is so beautiful. I mean, so I'm really curious then, after having this kind of awakening and going through this journey with your husband only to a couple years later, lose him as well. What's what's your journey been like now since? You know, that's that's a lot. So you guys kind of opened this up together and you started this path and you got to really see him blossom in and and really dive into something bigger than both of you, right? So big. <laughs> yeah, so much bigger than both of us. Yes. And what has been your experience since? Well, it um with every member of my family dying within that three-year period, uh, I, I had the great gift of knowing after our experiences that we continue to create after we step out of the physical body. And I knew that there were reasons uh, for both Pishti and Pishta Ishtvan to leave their bodies and do work on the other side. I knew that. I'd experienced it and it helped me. However, as an individual person who was no longer a mother uh, or a wife, uh, and he was the major person I could talk with, I couldn't really talk about these things to anyone else. Actually, I found that my students were very, you know, they were open, they were very open. And of course, gradually I did meet, uh, I think you've talked with uh, Kimberly, uh, Savedra, she's uh, my editor and publisher and also arranges uh, these interviews. She had been a student and we gradually began to talk and I realized um, that we could talk about these things together. And that was a great gift. And I knew that I had this work to do uh, to try now to go back to our ancestors and see how had they had they experienced this universal consciousness? How did they trigger it? And so Merchants of Light is about that. And uh, I've certainly I've had helpers along the way and, and very profound friends such as, as Kimberly, who, with whom I could actually uh, work and talk. So it, there always are gifts. Um, I knew that my work was to stay here and do this work. Uh, Ishtvan had one vision with uh, Pishti, our son, in which he asked him to look up the hexagram. Uh, and he told him, uh, the, start from the top, it's straight, broken, broken, straight, straight, broken. We looked it up and it, it just was so profound because the whole vision had been about our work was to work on what had decayed because it was very clear that our ancestors had known how to trigger this consciousness and experience who we are. And they created peaceful, different cultures from ours. And so in this hexagram, uh, Pishti told his dad, look, look it up. And when we did, it said uh, it was the 18th hexagram, Ku, working on what has decayed. And uh, Pishti said to his dad, read this carefully. It is your work, meaning his and mine, and it is the work of the earth. And then Ishvan said, which I didn't understand at the time, 
you know, he said, we, all of us on the earth work in parallel worlds. And in our work together, sometimes Pishti goes first and I stay. Sometimes he stays and I go. But you're the one who always stays to write about the work on what has decayed. I didn't understand that at the time. But when he was killed two years later, and I began to go through our documents and the recordings, and I, I, I realized not only was my work to understand the, our ancestors' ability to, to experience this consciousness, but it was to, to try to discover what it was that had decayed that caused us to lose this ability that we so desperately need. And we're determined to find today because we need it. Oh, absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. So, you know, maybe we could kind of dive a little bit deeper. So if our listeners have suffered some recent loss or even past loss and they're hearing what you're saying and they're resonating with it and they're wanting to know a little bit more, could you kind of take us through a couple of the steps of the first book and maybe a couple of the steps of the second book, just to give us kind of an idea that what if there's a process? You know, um, I think this is what we have to discover for ourselves and as a culture of how do we as a as a planet and then, then as a culture and as an individual, how do we connect to the other uh, dimension of reality, uh, the uh, spirit world where those we love are? They're not in the physical dimension in a physical body, but they are in the other. There are many, and I'm, I'm so amazed at how many people are discovering ways to do this. Uh, uh, and uh, Kim and I share with Janet Mayer, a, a medium, a radio show on BBC. Uh, and, uh, and it's a, a time when people call in and they tell about their experiences. And very often it, it just happens to them, <laughs> you know, because the love is there, uh, the, the grief opens us to that other dimension. And I see grief as a process, not something to be avoided, but it can, if we stay with it, allow ourselves the grief and walk through, it will actually almost walk for us. It will take us to another way of seeing the world, I do believe. But I don't have, and I don't know that anyone has one, step or several steps that will connect us to the other dimension. Many people go to mediums and they just have absolutely incredible experiences and they know that they know that their loved one is on the other side and has communicated with them. Others have very synchronistic events all on their own uh, or they actually hear them speak or their symbolic ways in which they make the connection. And Janet uh, Mayer, who is a medium, always points out, we must be observant. Don't dismiss and just say, oh, that was just you know coincidence, as we've been taught to do in Western culture. So many things happen that we just let pass by. So to be observant. But I think first and foremost, our love for that person connects us. We are connected. and. If people like to be in nature, like to be alone, like to be listen to music, whatever it is that allows them to simply be open, that helps so much. And of course, to be observant of the dreams. Uh, there are uh, people who have uh, 
worked out certain methods. For instance, there was a man in Texas who worked with veterans who had PTSD and one one veteran had been in the hospital for a very long time. He'd been in Vietnam. He had lost a young girl he was going to adopt. She just she was just destroyed uh, very close to him. And he just simply couldn't get over it. He just could not get over that. And uh, then Botkin, I believe it's a Botkin method. Uh, he just tried that with this veteran one day and it just has to do with eye movements of a certain kind and it triggered but didn't know it was going to trigger his experience of the other side and so now he uses it for that but it did trigger this veteran's experience in which he saw the the girl he was going to adopt and it was just such an incredibly beautiful deeply felt experience in which she was so lovingly there with him and and told him she's fine that they will meet again uh, and i think you know this is our heritage to be connected to that other dimension but these the dreadful uh, uh worldview in which there is nothing there's nothing there and we were considered uh, deranged if we talked about experiences of the other side that plus in religion, uh, let's say the Christian religion, they did teach us of a beautiful mystic, Jesus, uh, but they told us to believe in him. They didn't tell us we were to be a Christ, which Christ himself tells us in the Nagamati text, which the church would have destroyed had they not been buried, and we found them in 1945. So we've, our lack of connection with the other dimension is a result of our heritage, which we are now waking up to, and we are changing. And I think each one of us who has suffered the loss of someone we love will search for ways to find that connection. It is possible. That's the first thing we have to, to, to really discover, that it is possible, and they are present. I think Janet's book is Spirits, They Are Here. <laughs> and when we know that, we can be open to miracles happening wow that's i mean this is really a deep and beautiful conversation we're having here um as a therapist i'm as you can imagine this is often on my forefront oh yeah and you know i, I always like to say sometimes i have the privilege and honor of being there on people's worst day and i mean <laughs> that whole i really do mean that um mm -hmm. that i'm usually the first call that someone will make when something bad happens when there's tragedy death yeah. loss things like that and, you know, I always find this a really interesting topic because I have similar uh, experiences to you as to um, this idea of find comfort where you can. There is no right or wrong way. And if we don't know anyway, why don't we, why don't we tell a story that makes us feel better? <laughs> but for some people that could be a little overwhelming, right? So I the consciousness can protect you from that, right? Because that's how our brain's designed, much like shock and things like that. It's like, hey, whoa, too big, too much, can't take it in, close it down. Well, but I also um, agree that we haven't been groomed in that way. We haven't uh, been, exactly. it, you know, if we started when we were really small and it was a natural, normal conversation that we accepted death as just as beautiful as life, because that's really my belief is- Oh, it is, yeah. Earth is difficult and hard and painful and beautiful. And, mm -hmm. and death is another, part of the same you know it's on the same 
line here. There is no life without death. And both processes need to be honored as, as beautiful as transitions, once transitioning in, once transitioning mm -hmm. out or wherever it's going. But if we can hold it in this loving, light, beautiful space and learn to nurture it instead of be afraid of it, kind of uh, make it wrong. You know, a lot of people are, we try to like push it away from people, keep it away from people. It's not in their faces. Um, but I really actually think that has more psychological damage. It has more damaging effects than it does healing effects. Yes, well, I, I want to return to what you said about culture. And that's what I discovered with uh, cultures in the past that we didn't know about until the 20th century. And yes, if we are born into a culture that honors the world, nature is sacred and wants more than anything to know her laws and live by them and relate to nature and to all that's in nature in a loving way and know that spirit is in everything it's everywhere this beautiful loving consciousness out of which we're born if we're born into that we can take much more much faster but i think yes some of the things that we might discover we need to have a little time to sort of take in when we're not born in that kind of culture and i could give an example up uh, before uh, my our son died for two years i had uh dreams that he had died but it was very interesting in the i think i was being initiated into this coming experience and sometimes i would I would experience it as an attack of some kind or that it was someone else's child and yet I was grieving uh, for that child, so I think that gradually. My psyche was allowing me to experience the death of someone I loved and then when it actually happened, I think it was was a little easier on me, I mean I. I, it was as though I knew it was coming, but didn't know. And my husband even uh, had uh, an experience. Uh, he was in his office and he saw Pishti's body, uh, his car, his car, first of all, on the side of the freeway and his body superimposed on it. And he heard himself say, oh, that's right, Pishti. It's almost time for you to do this. And then that's, scared him i mean he was so shocked at what he had said but it was something deep in him that he knew and then he heard pishti's voice say yes that's right dad i'll be out of the house for a little while well ishvan became unconscious of that but it be it came back to him the day we received the call that that pishti was in the trauma center but you know it's we sometimes we hear something just like when he heard himself say that it, it was too much for him I mean, he became completely unconscious, right. but it helped him. And I think uh, later that helped us because when he did tell me only after Pishti died, uh, we knew that he was out of the house from the time he was in the accident until he returned to us consciously the day after his memorial. So yes, that's why I think our work today is to create a culture in which we open to larger dimensions of ourselves and each other and honor honor this incredibly beautiful world that we're born into and see it as sacred and and just filled with spirit that we can relate to instead of be afraid of right i think that's beautiful 
So Betty, I'm, I'm not going to take us too far off that topic because I think it's just a, such an important conversation to have and that we should be able to have and we should be having more often. And I'm kind of curious now a little bit later of, you know, you've went through all this, you've, I mean, you've really been through, you've lived it, obviously, you're breathing, I, I can hear it in your voice that all these years later, you're still passionate about what you have to say, that your beliefs are so very strong and rooted in what you've experienced. So how did you get from that to, I'm going to write this book now? Um, kind of, <laughs> you're having all these profound experiences and, and in your own human pain and grief, but also as a spiritual being, seeing that there's so much more, how did you transition, you know, and, and, and become the author that you are now? Well, uh, you know, I had taught for so many years, and I, I had to laugh when I think about my life as a teacher, it's the same as a writer. Every significant thing that I experienced, I always thought of how I can relate this to the class, you know? And so I think that was also in my experiences, I had written down my dreams and, and Ishwan and I then kept recording of our visions. And my students were, when I went back to, to school, they were very loving and helpful, as was the faculty. But they wanted to know too about we've been talking about death and all of these mythologies and now you've experienced it so i did tell them some of my experiences and from that it was just very natural uh, to write about it you know the storyteller <laughs> and as you say stories are so much more powerful than lectures and so it was just natural. I think all of us have stories. I've certainly realized that. I've met so many people who have incredibly powerful stories uh, through grief or, or so many other things. And for them to tell me their story has been very powerful and healing for me too. So I think that's how the transition was made. Okay. And since then, you know, I, cause I, I always believe that we're always in transition, right? Whether we're aware of it or not. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. so, you know, people are like, I don't like change. And I was like, well, here's my options for you. You either choose it and do it on purpose, or it's going to happen to you anyways. Cause no one asked if you liked it, right? It's, it's just kind of part of the package. So I'm kind of curious what writing has taught you. Like, has it brought you closer to your journey? Has it solidified some ideas? How is writing and publishing and now getting out and kind of talking about it because again having to tell the story of everything you've been through you know kind of over and over and over um for some people that can be re-traumatizing for other people that can be really kind of soothing like i'm i'm telling my story but i feel different about it now i'm just mm -hmm. kind of curious about how you've changed since you've been writing and published and selling <laughs> this book well, you know, in let's start with writing. I taught writing as well as mythology. I worked with students who uh, I worked at a community college, and I love that because we uh, had students who had been out of school and many who didn't know that they had any talents <laughs> at all. They came back and I taught writing. And what we all learn together is that you learn so much just through writing is that you start discovering things, they become clearer to you. And that's why it's so important to write dreams down, is that when you start writing the dream, one thing leads to, oh, then you remember that. And oh, now you see a connection you didn't see before. And so that's all of us who taught writing, taught <laughs> that to write is to become conscious. And so I loved doing it. And the students also had, incredible experiences through their writing and 
also through the teaching of mythology, uh, I had one night class, it was three hours on, in the evening and people from the community came as well as the students, uh, younger students. But I would have so many people who'd come to me afterwards and say, you know, I'm gonna tell you something that I have never told anyone in my life. And that's because our culture hasn't valued it and, and they were afraid of being rejected or laughed at. And, uh, but with just talking about these stories in the class made them more confident about the stories in their own lives. And so they told it, and then I said, write it, write it down so that you'll have it. And both telling stories and writing them down are wonderful processes of, of opening up, of becoming conscious and remembering. Henry Miller used to say, remember to remember. <laughs> Wow, I love that. Remember to remember. That is beautiful. So Betty, it has been nothing but a pleasure having you on the show. And thank you for sharing your heart and your soul and what you've been through and how you're really trying to contribute to the world and making this change. For our listeners, if they want to know more or find more about you, uh, where would you like them to go? Well, you know, first of all, I want to uh, correct something. I think I had said that uh, we have a uh, a show where people can come and talk about their experiences on the BBC. No, it's the BBS. <laughs> I just want to be clear about that. And uh, where can they go? They can go to any uh, bookstore uh, that sells books and ebooks, or they can go to our website, which you've already given, the uh, www.comlock.com, K-A-M-L-A-K. And, uh, or, Yes, if you want to sign up for a newsletter, uh, you can, and we will send you a chapter of Merchants of Light. And awesome. and I on the on the uh, website there are videos and podcasts and webinars uh, that I've done so far. So um, quite a few things there. To Sounds explore. like the perfect resource. So <laughs> if you want to know more about Betty and her work, check out her website. Betty, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been a pleasure to have you. Thank you, Christine. I enjoyed it very much. Thank you. Absolutely. And this has been Humanity Meets Business, Business Therapy with Christine Salvo, licensed marriage and family therapist, advanced certified mediator, and internationally certified hypnotherapist. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful day. Bye-bye. <laughs>